You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Monster House presents... It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Hey there. What follows is an audio version of an interview originally recorded as part of our Monster Talk Live streaming series that Karen and I hosted during 2020. As of this posting, we're not currently doing those live shows, but they are archived on YouTube. You can check the show notes for a link to this particular episode. And the live format's definitely something we're going to try to get back to in the future. These episodes do not get the normal editing treatment of a traditional Monster Talk, and because of the variety of issues that happen during live recordings, the audio quality may be wildly varied, and you should assume there will be some not-safe-for-work content, so I'm posting all of these as explicit just in case. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting Monster Talk. Your contributions at patreon.com forward slash Monster Talk and your positive reviews on the podcasting platforms and applications that you use to listen Help us reach new listeners and spread the important message that monsters can be a great tool to learn critical thinking. We need critical thinking now more than ever. Monster Talk is hosted by me, Blake Smith, and my co-host, Dr. Karen Stolzno. If you enjoy this show, please check out our deep catalog of fascinating interviews with experts about psychology, sociology, anthropology, folklore, religion, and more. Monster Talk. Let's go and get started. Uh, welcome to Monster Talk Live. Live. With Dr. Brian Sharpless, uh huh, who ha- is a friend of the show and uh, has appeared on the show previously. Oops. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when was that? I mean, it's going back maybe four or five years ago now. I think, I think. 2016. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But talking about the, years. it was just when you uh, you had had your new book out mm-hmm. about sleep paralysis, yep. um, which is a topic near and dear to my heart, and. Um, that is, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, go back and check it out. It's a great book, too. And it's is it still the only academic book like that? Uh, I mean, I haven't seen anything uh, else coming down the pike. It's the only one in psychology. Yeah, there are some yeah. sort of 
history of medicine books, stuff like that. Yeah. Very cool. cool. I like, so, I like yeah, more, more people are more people are joining us. And so hi to everyone out hello, there. Hello, hello, indeed. Yeah, it's and, um, uh, strange times. We're still getting sort of used to this, this uh, new technology for us, uh, even though it's an old technology for the internet. <laughs> better than last week. Anyway. We are. We are. Yeah. We figured think, out how to get three people. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're drinking. Um, oh, we should do warnings. Okay. First of all, yeah. uh, we are drinking. Cheers. And we are, uh, oh, cheers. Um, and we are swearing. And we're swearing, exactly. Yeah. So if you're planning on a um, G-rated show, this will not be that. So, um, so I think everyone wants to know what, what you're drinking. Like, This is my first attempt at a dark and stormy. So it's very much like a Moscow mule, but with rum as the liquor. Dark and stormy Daniels. And uh, I <laughs> and I've got uh, I'm doing this with uh, Crack and Run, Crack and Rum, not a sponsor, but uh, one of my on theme. Ooh, they, they could be. <laughs> I would be happy to accept their sponsorship. And I also even have even in the form of alcohol. And my backup drink is I'm going to have a Moscow Mule next, and uh, this was my Crystal Skull vodka, also on brand. So, Ben Akron. Someone said next we're going to be brawling. So, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I'm having. A, I've got a cab sav here. I, I don't know the the vintage, cheap and nasty. Mm. <laughs> How about you, Brian? That was my nickname in what high school. Drinking? Actually, but cheap I, and no. nasty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is a yellow cocktail. So this yeah. is chartreuse, yellow chartreuse, gin, Suze, which is this weird bitter French liqueur, and lemon juice. And for backup, I have a Natty Bow from Baltimore. So you should. It's a fancy. I think is it yeah. just called a yellow cocktail? That seems very chromatically descriptive. But mm-hmm. is that like an old long season thing or something you come up with yourself? Or I didn't make it up. No. Okay. Because like, no. I got to come up French cocktail book. King and yellow. King and yellow. That would be a. Ooh, la, la. It's no. quite a uh, quite a yellow though. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So people are saying this is not how how is this going to end? Oh, this is going to end well. It'll so be fine. Hopefully. I think it's going to be fine. My yeah. commute tonight's very small. So let's and <laughs> for what, some of the topics that we're going to be treating tonight, uh, we're not going to be treating because we're drunk. It's because grind. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Now, I've lost. Yeah, we've got an anomalous psychologist with us. <laughs> well, I think I've, I've... Now everyone's telling us what they're drinking. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. It's, it's like a cocktail. Social distanced brawling, of course. <laughs> What's that? The only way. Yeah. I've lost the Google Doc I had open so with our Q&A, Someone so. said Blake's microphone is clipping. 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 Yeah. Okay. And socking. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> You don't you don't like my sock? This is this is my I have a uh, with a, a pop filter, but um, I find that this sock works very well. Now I have a blue Yeti sock upstairs, but I didn't feel like going up two flights <laughs> of stairs just to get it. But this this works very well for cutting yeah. off the the plosives. <laughs> yeah, well, we should just uh, let everyone know that uh, we've released a new monster talk. On the topic of screaming skulls, and that's going out to, to everyone tomorrow, isn't it? I think it's up for the Patreon. Yeah, it's up for Patreon, and I'll, I'll drop it in the regular feed tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And uh, just for the record, that's not because I want the patrons to have it early. It's because it takes more time to cut in the commercials for the regular feed, so it ends up almost always just taking it the next day. Yeah. So. Sure. <laughs> but, well, we've got a lot to cover today. We, we do. We do. 
So, so, yeah, so we're gonna, associated with horror movies. Yeah, we're well, swear to people we'd be talking about monsters. Um. <laughs> <laughs> monstrous so, psychology. Yeah, so I, I noticed, Brian, you, you were actually particularly interested in talking about werewolves uh, mm -hmm. and how that relates to psychology. So I've often heard uh, people talk about lycanthropy as a mental illness uh -huh. and not as an aspiration. So uh, <laughs> you want to explain the um, – uh, so is it like a, a, a well-documented real medical condition? Yeah, it's not in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is oh, it's not. Okay. but uh, it has been recognized for a long time. And even at the height of the werewolf panics in the Middle Ages, there were some reasonable folks that were like, nah, this seems like some they're mentally ill. But um, yeah, it's a long belief. I mean, just in folklore, it's amazing because you can go back to literally the, some of the earliest communications that man made. If you go to um, caves and look at cave paintings like a Lascaux or the Three Brothers Caves, you can see these beings that are these hybrids of humans and animals. And we can only speculate. I mean, some of it was probably identifying with the strengths of the beast and wanting to, you know, glory in the hunt and all that fun stuff. But um, so yeah, around today? Uh, yeah, believe it or not, it is. I, a colleague of mine went through the records of his hospital in the Netherlands, and he was able to identify, I think, nine cases. Wow. Beyond Dirk Blom, yeah. But in it's general, fairly, for yeah. <laughs> in general, he also did a, a, a comprehensive literature review from 1852 to the present, and he found uh, 56 cases in the scientific literature that were described, and even got some outcome data. That's interesting. So, so is I, it, yeah. um, go ahead, Karen. Uh, is it, sorry, is it occurring here, um, or is it face. more a European thing, or what's oh, that? Oh, I, I shouldn't touch my face. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think Blake is available. So in Europe and America, yeah, there was a famous case of a of a man who believed himself to be a werewolf that the Warrens actually got involved with. I actually Never. am a little familiar with that case. They ended yeah. up with some lawsuit action on that one, I believe. Uh, uh, what, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, and I believe someone also went to prison. So, um, so <laughs> and so many good movies, of course. Well, I was going to think the the way werewolf lore changed after the Kurt Siodmek movie, right? Was um, the Wolfman made it into a curse, and there was a little bit of curse lit before that. But typically, in the eighteen hundreds and before. If you wanted to be a werewolf, you wanted to be a werewolf. You didn't just become a werewolf. It wasn't like transmitted by bite. So I was curious. Not by bite. No. I was I was wondering if in the mental illness cases, are they taking on the attributes of werewolf lore as it's known from the movies and forward? Like, is it? Do they believe they've been bitten or cursed with werewolf behavior, or do, or do they seek it out in the sort of classic magical way? No, in general, it can range from a, a delusion that lasts an hour to decades. So, uh, but they don't seem to be adopting the lore. They just believe that they're transmuting into an animal. And the wildest thing, if you look at the scientific literature, is wolf isn't even the number one animal they transmit into. So the broader category of lycanthropy, which is turning, believing that you're turning into a wolf, is zooanthropy, which is just believing that you turn into an animal and adopt its qualities. But dogs were the most common. Cats were fairly common, but this is going to blow your mind. There was a case of a were gerbil. That, 
I'm glad I had my hat on because my mind would have just shot across the room. Yeah, yeah, the mind boggles on that one. Yeah. Well, what's the story trip. surrounding that, or is, yeah. is that all you you're aware of? Uh, I'm only aware of one case. Of that. But there were snakes. There's something to do with Richard Gear, maybe. I don't know. I was <laughs> do they get the little wheel and run during the day? I like I don't. Maybe do they, they crawl through the habit trail. Like, I, I didn't have much documentation on that case, but it's 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 probably better. It's probably cooler to just think about and not actually know the details. If I had to guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know the furries. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a whole other thing. My little you, you know the furries. Oh, right? you know the furries. <laughs> that's your scene. So someone's complaining about uh, one of us sounding scratchy. Um, uh, well, someone's saying I'm a robot again, and and my husband is going to find out who this is, track them down. Okay. But um, so yeah, I'm not sure if it's your microphone or something. So from a technology perspective, as these uh, signals are sent out, you've got video and audio, and mm-hmm. the compression that happens is going <laughs> to somewhat depend on the bandwidth that they have on the receiving end and what the packets okay. are doing on the way to them. So if you lose packets, you can get that sort of robot effect. I'm not hearing it on my end. Um, and it's funny. Okay to me. I'm yeah. hearing a bit of distortion on yours, <laughs> yours Blake. Really? Yeah. It feels oh, a little now. overdriven. Better? Okay. No? That's better. Yeah. Okay. You just eat the mic. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm being told that Blake needs to turn his microphone down a little bit. Well, well I was just leaning back. into it. So that's, yeah. Oh, Okay. So now so you want this to... is monsters and IT. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's uh well, it's live, you know. So all right, what does this button do? There's a button that says celebrate. No, I'm not ready. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe button, yeah. celebrate. Don't click the button. Bubble and it shoots out <laughs> confetti or something. Yeah, that's what I, I get. That's that's so, when we get yeah. That's when we get to a particular topic. Then you can hit that button. Right. Lowering the gain on the mic would work, but also not leaning into <laughs> it would also work. So. How about we talk about how you become a werewolf? Yes. Well, yeah, I put on the yeah. belt and I do the ritual. Uh huh. That's one of the ways. Yeah. yeah. But it's not by a bite. You don't see bites transmitting werewolves. You could be born a werewolf. Redheads. Why new people, Johnny's redheads? Yeah. 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 There's so many ways. Yeah. Go. Always to blame. A few. That's, those are cleft good. Palettes. People with cleft palates. Um, <laughs> if you were born the seventh son, the seventh daughter would become a oh. Mora. The seventh son would become a werewolf. Mm. Um, and I actually found a recipe on in a in a book. I could actually read how you actually become it. So you need to do a little cooking. But if you get some hemlock, some aloe, some opium, some mandrakes, some nightshade, poppy, and asafoetida. So if you cook Indian food, you'll have that. And parsley, you mix it all together. And then you oh, say, parsley. No, no, not worth yeah, it. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd be more nervous about drink, eating nightshade personally, but yeah, yeah. I mean, somewhere between the uh, the relaxing, the hallucinations, and the poison, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you I got a pretty cool poem. Can you be born on a Saturday like a vampire? I, I, I suspect like there are so many cultural things about you know having a cat jump over you and. Uh, you know, being in the room with certain situations, I, I don't have a list in front of me, but um, it seems like the focal, it's kind of like with it's vampires. From memory, yeah. There's so many ways to kill them. There's so many so many ways to become them, you know, so. Mm-hmm. We have someone who loves Indian food. <laughs> I, I love Indian food. So. I love Indian food too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we made um, samosas, sort of like as egg rolls, uh, or, but we, like with the, uh, so chicken tikka, 
meat it, wrapped in like an egg roll wrapper and then like baked. Oh my gosh, they were delicious. So for dinner tonight. Yeah. Well, you you um mentioned cop gras. Is it because it's pronounced cap gras? Uh, I've heard it always pronounced Capgra syndrome. It, 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 it reminds me, yeah. isn't there a martial art almost with the same name? <laughs> I, I just carry guns. I don't know. Well, there's that. <laughs> I'm looking it up. So don't need to. Look it is uh, C A P G R A G R A S Capgra. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, oh, that's a funny one. Yeah. That's that's they've made so many movies out of that one. Probably more than yeah. any other sort of. Yeah, okay. so can you explain of. what that is exactly? Yeah, so this is the the delusional belief that the important people in your life have been replaced with identical looking yet different and usually inferior duplicates. So okay. it sounds like the plot of so many movies: uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Stepford Wives, uh, Invasion. What else? Um, Changeling a little bit. The- good Night, Mommy. Actually, was a recent one. If you've ever seen that one, that's a good movie. But yeah, so you you have this belief, and it's way more common than you would think. It occurs in seven to ten percent of people that have Alzheimer's, and in twenty percent of folks that have Lewy body dementia. And very few people know about it. Even medical professionals don't know about it. And it, all things being equal, if you work with geriatric populations, you're going to run across them. I've worked with it at least three over the years. And it's a horrible disorder, of course, because, you know, you, you have someone who's going to, who's got dementia and they're, you, they believe that their primary caretaker is not really there. They don't believe their wife is their wife. Um, um, and uh, yeah, and it can lead to some pretty scary things. There are cases of murders actually happening because it doesn't just usually end with we were replaced. You have to work up a narrative about how you were replaced. And so that might involve everything from kidnappings to the government to um, one case I saw had a massive uh, delusion involving UFOs and, and Nazis and kid, kidnapping a family member and taking them to another dimension. These so, are among the worst Nazis. So, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seems like a few books we've read. Uh-huh. Combine everything. <laughs> yeah, but but it's a it's a great plot for movies. No, and they, it, yeah. yeah. I believe I read that that happens when the centers that control the emotional response are degraded in some way so you still recognize the people but it doesn't feel right is that that's, uh, it, i guess it, the neurophysiology more there than psychology. Are, there are many ways to get there but it it's usually affects the centers of the brain that are involved with facial recognition and also with synesthesis or our own our own sort of appraisal of our own bodies as a physical entity. So if you see damage there, you'll see this in TBI, t- traumatic brain injuries as well. But sometimes it comes across and it, it's just sort of goes along with psychotic disorders. So you usually see it in the context of schizophrenia, dementia, sometimes really severe bipolar disorder or um, uh, depression with psychotic features. So it's not seen usually as a standalone diagnosis. It's seen sort of a specific manifestation of these other things. Um, and it can kind of, it can, can be, be treated, treated fairly. Yeah, it can be treated with um, any psychotics, things like that. Um, I actually have some very recent firsthand experience with this. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so do I. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it, it's well, unfortunate. Mine's not so recent, yeah. ongoing. Yeah, well, yeah. I, mine seems my family member who's having this is uh, seems to be getting temporarily better. We don't think it's going to stick, but uh, yeah. 
So, but but you're right. Antipsychotics. It's help. It's nice to be recognized when I go visit, but um, um, it's it's yeah. very disconcerting to see that they don't they, they don't trust you. They know they know like you look like the person, but you don't. It's not. It's not. They're not convinced. That's really yeah. disturbing. And over time, it tends to get if if it's untreated, it tends to get worse. So it might just start out your wife or your husband, then it might involve children, and then it can involve entire families and groups of people. Um, so in that regard, traditional psychotherapy hasn't been shown to be effective at all. One promising treatment is actually electroconvulsive therapy, which sounds really scary, especially if you've seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But it's very different today than it was done in the fifties, and it can for some people it's really a godsend, especially with psychotic depression. You can see really good changes with that. Um, and they can also use um, anti-seizure medications like Depakote. That's been shown to be effective as well. So there are at least three treatment options for folks that have that, which is good news. Yeah. My I know someone who's... Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, we've both got personal stories to tell, but we I know do. someone who's had... Uh, who's had a lot of electroshock therapy over the past mm -hmm. 10 years and uh, has suffered uh, a lot of amnesia yeah, as a result loss. of that. Yeah, 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 so that's the, but this person was not eating, was not sleeping, uh, mm -hmm. and was basically dying and needed electroshock therapy um, yeah. or electroconvulsive therapy. Uh, but I think it's done a lot of damage to, mm. to this person's personality. Yeah. My grandmother had it and it gave, I guess, in a sense, another 30 years of having her functional. It, was, I mean, it really snapped her out of a, a absolutely devastating depression. But <laughs> all that happened before I was born. So I know it happened, but and my dad said her personality changed afterwards, but she was always a great grandma. I loved her and she lived to be a hundred. So, um, wow. so yeah, wow. but, but you know, it, 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 it's definitely a scary thing. And I don't think movies have done anything to make it seem less than that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things. I'm getting a lot of comments and, and I'm unable to keep up with everything. Sure, sure. Holding our conversation. <laughs> there are a few people saying their, their loved ones have turned. <laughs> yeah, someone says we should do an episode on doppelgangers. I would, yeah, I would yeah. love. There's a lot of folklore around. There's, there's yeah. uh, the the class of disorders that Capgras is in is called the delusional misidentification disorders, and one of them is also is called the Fergoli delusion. This is one of the few disorders that isn't named after the doctor that found it. It's the pasta. an actor. <laughs> An actor in the in the early in the late 1800s, there was a guy named Leopold Fergoli who was a master of disguise. He'd be able to turn into, he'd be able to in like five minutes, in the same stage show, go from looking like a boxer to a, a old woman using makeup and just contorting his body. And so this woman began the delusional belief that uh, an actor that wasn't Leopold Fergoli was dressing up like her mom and her sister to torment her. And so they ended up naming it the Fergoli delusion after the actor. And you can see this worked into the thing, the movie, the thing, if, if you the think about it, how, it could, how well, the, the thing is essentially morphing into the, Do all these different things so yeah. as opposed to a replacement for a person. This is somebody that actually the same sort of tormentor that it's is not a dog. Humanity. It's an imitation. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, see, someone's mentioned that I've got a story on a doppelganger. Yes, I do. Just a you short do. story called I am Lord. Because I think it's such a cool topic and it just it's something hasn't really been written about or, or talked about very much. So we should do an episode on that sometime. Yeah. A famous psychoanalyst wrote a book on it called The Double Auto Ronk. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's fun okay. stuff. And yeah, it's usually been associated. Say again? 
Have you come across any cases of people who believe they've got a, a doppelganger? Uh, no, only in literature. So um, Goethe saw his doppelganger. He thought it was pretty cool. He didn't. He wasn't upset by it. Um, Percy Shelley, Mary's husband, he saw his okay. doppelganger and, right before he died. And that's how usually it's been seen. It's if you've seen, seen as an omen. Yeah, it's an omen of bad stuff. And Catherine the Great saw her doppelganger and she ordered her soldiers to shoot at it. So she was able to live to a ripe old age. So she that that must have worked. I saw a guy who looked just like me at a restaurant and my wife pointed it out. And I it was a big we were at like a one of those restaurants where they serve crab. It's in Savannah and they serve crab and they have alligators out front. And he did. Restaurant. He looked just like me. He looked oh. just like me. And I tried to catch up with him, but I had to like get through this crowded restaurant. It was like in a movie where I was like, I, I just kept seeing it was him. You. It was really you. I took a picture of him with like, this was with a shitty cell phone camera from, you know, 15 oh. years ago, or I guess 10 years ago. And uh, it's like, he, it was stunning how much he looked like me. Uh, but I never could catch him before he got in his car and drove away. And if it was me, I was really disappointed he didn't say hello. So, and you're still alive. Well, I've, I've I been told fun. that I've got, I've, I've had a double here in the, the US. I've had a, a double apparently uh, in Australia where I grew up. And so, what about you, Brian? Have you had a double? Uh, not that I'm aware of. No, I don't think. You probably do somewhere in the world. I agree. Uh, one of the listeners says it's probably a bad idea to tell your subordinates to fire on someone who looks just like you. Yeah. So we've got lots of topics to to treat. Still, what do you want to move on to? <laughs> sparkly vampires. It's <laughs> um, got a bullet point that says sparkly vampires. <laughs> that, that's made up. <laughs> yeah, that's a Hollywood thing. Yeah, I I, ref- I don't really want to talk about Twilight or um that series because i'm a snob i'm a, I'm a vampire snob mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how about Kiefer sutherland um i like Kiefer sutherland uh my best friend and we agree on a lot of stuff he hates the lost boys absolutely hates the lost boys you shouldn't be friends with him anymore well he's my best friend and we've been friends since we were five and you know he puts up with all he my it's all good <laughs> it's a big world uh you know uh, it is who did we have on the show um, years ago? We were talking about vampires, and uh, he was talking about early vampires and European vampires that ate fruit instead of right. sucking blood. Was that Sugg? I can't remember. Richard Sugg, uh, who because about yes. that's, that's the fun interview where about halfway through the interview, uh, it, he points out that in his book, his hypothesis is that um, the vampires aren't real; they're actually poltergeists. And uh, which was a, a, it was a very fun, it's a great book. It's very entertaining and interesting. Um, I disagree with this, is well but we had a, it was a very well researched book and it was a lot of fun to read. But there are a lot of parallels. He's done a book on fairies, which I'd like to talk to him about at some point. So. Oh, that's fun, Laura. Yeah. 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 So I think vampires are really shape shifting lizard people. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Like David Icke. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Like David Ike revealed to us. Right, right. Right, right. So, yeah. I can't remember. He was in the news recently for doing something. I can't remember what it was this time. But he does mar- you got to give him credit. He gives these marathon talks. Have you ever watched one? They, he just, they're. I haven't been able to get through today. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy David Ike. He's enthusiastic. He, he is nothing if not enthusiastic. Yeah. I'd have so, a beer with him. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he seems intense and he wants yeah. you to believe him. But uh, yeah, yeah. If I don't have to believe him or anybody, I could talk to almost anybody if they don't also have to have me believe what they say. That's mm -hmm. that's usually the most. Storytelling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, if I just need to listen, I'm usually pretty good about that. So, <laughs> so we, but, um, yeah, vampires. Um, so vampires. Have you guys really seen? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, have you seen uh, what we do in the shadows? The the, uh, the the comedy, yeah, the sitcom uh, or the sitcom yeah. or the movie, yeah. Nope, nope. The, oh, I've seen. Yeah, there's a movie and the sitcom. I think there's a new uh, series that's coming out soon. The, the New Zealand. I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it. I've got it. I've got the series. You will enjoy it. In the no, I, I'm 100 sure I will. Uh, I am. I I've got to figure out how to not need to sleep. Have you got any suggestions for that? <laughs> if I don't have to sleep. I could get more done because that's like at least no, five no hours dose. a day, right? Amphetamines. Yeah. Amphetamines. Exactly. <laughs> Do a line of amphetamines. Excellent. Or what do they call it? Smoking a rope? Is that is that the right thing? I don't know. It's been a long time. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the drugs and the terminology. It's been a long time since you've done it, yeah. yeah so it's, it's been a long time since, uh, yeah, no, I've never done that. So <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee, but no. Mm. so um brian what did you want to talk about in regards to vampires because you have a specific specific areas that you've re researched oh uh geez we can go into the folklore we can go into the actual clinical diagnosis which is called renfield syndrome after dracula's stooge dracula. yeah yeah uh, <laughs> that's pretty fun um, but yeah, Renfield syndrome in the clinical sense is a desire to ingest human blood and it usually goes long. It has an erotic component. So people fantasize about blood, they get aroused when drinking blood. And um, it could be a solo activity, it could be a group activity. And in a lot of cases, um, it's uh, sort of a couple activity where it's done fully consensually. Not like hiding out in alleys and leaping upon people with your fangs. But um, yeah. And as you can imagine, it can go along with some health side effects. So bloodborne pathogens are always a risk, STDs and all those yeah, things. You wouldn't want to do it now, would you, in the middle of a pandemic? Ugh. Or at any time? Probably not, yeah. So could it be an iron deficiency or, or something like that? Or is it um, just more of a People have given thing? all sorts of... Um, sort of they've said porphyria could be an answer but I, I don't i'm not i don't find that very compelling at all that you end up getting iron deposits in your teeth and you're uh you're photosensitive but it it it's so rare it, it couldn't possibly account for all the werewolf i mean all the vampire lore um in the clinical sense we think it arises from a conditioning early on of blood with arousal so some sort of chance event happens, you see your blood, you taste your blood while you're aroused, and then you work that into your fantasies. And through your fantasies, that's reinforcing. And then you, uh, there's a progression. So you start out drinking your own blood usually, then you move on to the blood of animals, and only later do you go to humans. Um, there was a case, uh, a real case, uh, in a prison. So the prison guards, <clears throat> in this scenario, getting a bit nervous which is saying something because, you know, prison guards are used to, you know, doing all sorts of things, with gloves and, you know, checking out orifices and everything. So they're, they're not very squeamish, but they, at this one prison, they were like, what the hell's going on? Because people started complaining about having um, iron deficiency. And they also started mm -hmm. stealing iron supplements from the, uh, the prison nurse. So they finally figured out that they had a vampire on the floor. 
and he was trading sexual favors for the opportunity to drink inmates blood and so wow documented case and yeah it was he he started out he he had a really abusive home life there was a lot of violence in his family and he um was was a victim of that as well and the formative moment for him was he was out sitting on his porch and he saw a dog get hit by a car poor puppy right (laughs) and so he runs out and he starts taking some of the poor dying animals blood and that's when he sort of really start, kicked it high gear with his fantasies and so that's yeah really he claimed i wouldn't have seen that later. yeah and he claimed to the psychiatrist every single time was consensual but if you look through history there have been a lot of non-consensual vampires fritz Harman, um richard trenton chase from sacramento who killed several people in the 70s he he had a psychosis as well so he was a vampire and he was psychotic so he believed that nazis being controlled by ufos were causing his mother to poison a soap dish space vampires again i mean space nazis exactly yeah you gotta watch out for them and so the way you can tell if you have soap dish poisoning is you lift up your soap if it's nice and dry and clean you're cool if it's got that scum and it's kind of slimy, you've got soap dish poisoning. And so he believed that this was powderizing his blood and he had to replenish his own blood with the blood of others so he wouldn't go into powder. So, yeah. We, uh, it's I, really strange. One yeah. of my friends worked for the FBI and um, I got to see some of the letters and things that come into there that, you know, they have they have things they have to investigate and they have things that are the pass around the office. This is interesting kind of thing. Sure. And w- one of them was um, a guy who wrote in um, and he was uh, concerned because uh, the government was drying out his mother and they were doing something to her water. And the way you could tell was there was like cottony stuff in her ice cubes. Mm. Now, not all the ice cubes have that, but hers had that. And that cottony stuff in the middle, it disappeared when the ice cube melted. But he knew that was the evidence that the government was dehydrating his mom. Hmm. Uh, so I was like, wow, this guy needs to do some experiments. But, but it's, it's, not, it's just, you know, ice cubes sometimes have fractures in them that make the center look cloudy. It's really hard to make perfectly clear. There's websites yeah. for how to make perfectly clear ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people don't um, because... It's not that big of a deal unless you think that they're drying out your mom. So, yeah. yeah. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. 
Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Mental illness. Is I mean, it's it's it's. I feel I have I feel tremendous empathy for people who suffer through it. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. does leave us with these fascinating uh, stories that sometimes lead, sometimes it leaches into new folklore, and sometimes the folklore mm-hmm. leaches into these behaviors. That's what's fascinating because yeah. I mean, vampire mythology obviously goes back way way back. Uh, uh, Montague Summers, who you have to take what he says with a grain of salt, but he said in his book on the vampire that the earliest representation was an Assyrian clay tablet, and I was able to get a photocopy of it. I had to go into like the uh, the stack in Penn State into the journals in like the 1800s, but I finally found a, a picture of it. It's a female vampire copulating with a human, and she's just about ready to get her head sliced off so they think that's the earliest depiction of a vampire and it was female in in the clinical data we have there are far and away more men and they typically don't just have isolated sort of vampirism but they have uh, there's some other mental health issues going on usually any social personality disorder especially the serial killers that might want to take your blood without giving consent um, and a lot of them, this is interesting, a lot of them have identity disturbances. So if you talk to them, they don't really have a coherent sense of who they are. They feel kind of empty and as if they're just going from uh, wearing mask after mask. depending Persona on the- after persona, right. Yeah, yeah. it's very similar to, to some of the people who suffer from borderline and narcissistic personality disorders. You hear a lot of the same things. Um and yeah, the progression, like I said, is pretty interesting and it can get pretty, pretty bad over time. And we really have no idea how to treat it. Um, they've tried some behavioral um, approaches to try and decouple the connection between blood and arousal, some psychodynamic treatments. But we don't have any real great data. Uh, they use a relapse prevention model, too. So you sort of would would conceptualize the blood as the addictive substance and they'll do a lot of things like that. I've never personally treated a vampire, sadly. I hope so. Yeah, but you have been out. doing some research. Doing teletherapy right now while we're in coronavirus land. So I didn't understand you, Karen. Sorry. Oh, I was just uh, going to say that uh, Brian's been doing some research into Elizabeth Bathory. So we're going to be bringing him back on the show when you're published about that. That would be um, fun. But uh, I think that's um, we could include that in the basket of vampire stories yeah it's funny two of the biggest influences were graham stoker's dracula never really drank blood so vlad sepish or vlad the impaler who we know as dracula there's no documented evidence that he actually drank blood and the connotations come from these german uh woodcuts of him dipping bread into blood and eating it but there's no historical evidence and elizabeth bathory is the same way uh, they say that she bathed in the blood of virgins, but that's completely apocryphal. She was a sadist and a serial killer, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. We'll come back and talk about that. She had yes, a, yes, yeah. When, when she, that paper comes out. Mm-hmm. She she had some PR issues for sure, but she certainly is, <laughs> she's inspired a lot of fun movies. Yeah, and there's a big debate yeah. about whether she's actually guilty or not. I, a friend of mine, Deborah Hyde, who's been on the show, 
we we had a disagreement about that just in December. We were at a pub and talking about life. I was sort of of the opinion, yeah, I think she was a sadistic killer, and Deborah wasn't. So we we had some fun. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. Oh, then maybe we could have you and her on together, and yeah, you can fight it out. We can have that brawl everyone's looking for. <laughs> Everybody wants a debate. I was like, that's fine by me. Like, yeah. Oops, someone said here she was a, a sadist and a serial killer, but. Well, well, she, she was also fluent in seven languages when most women couldn't even wow. write one. Was she? And she was, yeah. a, 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 by all accounts, she was a very good mother. She's really a, a kind of interesting paradox. She was a patriot, a good mother, by all accounts, but she also had this very dark, sadistic side to her. So she was a nobility or gentry? Yeah. Yeah. She was at the time the richest woman in Hungary. She had more money and land and um, castles than the uh, king at the time. I've actually visited four of her castles. And that's that's the kind of thing that makes you wonder, because when someone gets more wealthy and powerful, yep. it's often convenient to have, oh, goodness. Uh-huh. They're the other side. Yeah. Worshiping the devil. <laughs> yeah, that's the other side. Is she was framed? So yeah, yeah. So, and how many? Uh, I, I know we're going to get into this in more detail in the future. But how many victims do you well, think that she actually had? She's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, uh, I don't believe this number, but the the number that is usually touted is six hundred and fifty. So she would be the world's most prolific okay. serial killer. But the trial testimony, if you actually go into the weeds, is uh, it's it's fluctuates depending on who's being asked and what they have personal knowledge of. Well, they always talk about her bathing in the blood of of yeah. her victims, and her last name yeah. Batori or Bathory. Uh, but you know, it's like, could that be a pun? Is that is it possible that a lot of her images tied up with her last name? Like, I don't know sixteenth uh, century Slovakian well enough to tell. Only in your world. <laughs> yeah, but I I think the story I read was that she'd. Uh, slapped a servant girl and she yeah. drew blood and she thought oh my hand is rejuvenated oh, from from this blood yeah, and yeah. yes yeah and so then she decided to bathe in blood and i mean that's the the folklore that mm-hmm. i think a lot of people have heard and that's the uh it, she also ends up they don't kill her they lock her in a room and i assume that's a myth as well i don't know for sure that see you messed up my joke because i was gonna talk about how she had to live off pie and pizza for the rest of her life because it was all that was put under the door that's but, true <laughs> yeah yeah crepes <laughs> she, she died of scurvy she was mine's allergies mine's allergies was like yeah but yeah, that's that's, that's interesting that the reality is so far removed. Yeah, they they said they walled her up in the tower, and you can still see the tower. It's in uh, Chaktice, Slovakia. It's this teeny tiny little town. But if you have the chance, go. It's one. It's my favorite. One of my three or four favorite castles of all time. And I've been there four times to this castle. I love it. But um, she apparently didn't get walled up. She she just was stuck in essentially stuck in her castle. That was I can't I can't empathize. What are you saying? Yeah. She wasn't allowed to go out and live in her house. She just had to stay within her opulent castle. That's uh, uh, um, weird. Well, yeah, that's strange. I can't even imagine. Not she. She she couldn't go out. You think she would have got a stiffer crime if it was? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we still have more topics, and would you believe we're already forty minutes into the show? Jeez, Um, I'm 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 halfway through my second drink, and I'm still feeling pretty good. So, so do you think, guys? Do you think it's time to raise the topic? Justin, Justin, I know, I know, it was a joke. 
What? <laughs> <laughs> time, bloodbath is not coming. Is he, you, oh, because I can't. I still can't tell who who everyone is. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing for some people, but I, I can't tell. But should should we? We've got 20 minutes left or so. We should we go into the topic? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You go know ahead. what I'm talking about. Right? <laughs> so yeah, so we get this email from Brian, and we're oh, what should we talk about? We've got so many things to talk about. And so in his list of, of bullet points, one of them is necrophilia. And this is a quote. It's a fun topic that I could try to handle tastefully. So, <laughs> I could yeah, try. Okay. Is it, no, it, it sounds like a fun topic, but uh, isn't that kind of hard on the dead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it does lend itself not, to not <laughs> and there have been so many movies with it. Actually, I could I can find more comedies with you know what the name for a movie about this? Resurrection. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Make a note of that. Or like the Leslie Nielsen movie, Dead and Loving It. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but it was in Clerks. Weekend at Bernie's has a necrophilia scene. Who would think that? Oh, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. does not I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then you see of, in horror movies, you got The Devil's Rejects and Oh Tension, which is probably the best one. A uh, French horror movie. If you haven't seen this, this is definitely a must see flick. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's fascinating. In, our, in, in French culture, especially, you've got a very strong connection between sex and death. They, the, the sort of. That petite mort, is petite that right? mort, yeah, no. a little death. And um, vampires today certainly epitomize that because they're typically seen as these very libidinal, uh, dark, sexy figures. Like Jess from True Blood's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, but you know, you've got—I mean, you've got Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt being vampires in Interview with a Vampire. And I think there's just a general fascination with sex and death. The psychoanalysts talk about this all the time. It can get a little tiresome, but. If you look at um, uh, costumes, you've got in sexy zombies, sexy, you know, you've, you always see these weird blends of sex and death. And this, this goes all the way back, uh, these weird blends way, way back. And people used to be really afraid of burying their loved ones. They used to, Herodotus talks about how they would not want to transport their loved ones on sea vessels because they thought sailors were particularly prone to this. So, and the Egyptians, they would actually, if you were a noble blood, they would have your body out in the Egyptian, you know, in the elements for a few days before they'd send it to the embalmer because they were afraid of necrophilia. So this was something that had, it was something that was in the sort of cultural milieu uh, of things that you were afraid of. And, you know. So was it really just a a fear or was it something that was practiced we don't have great data but um it certainly we we don't even have great data today because it's not like hey i'm a necrophile hey <laughs> you know nobody's gonna come and volunteer that i haven't looked but i'm sure there's a subreddit for it i you know so you know you might be right yeah there's there's a reddit for everything but yeah there have been some really famous necrophiles you see it in literature in the iliad not in the iliad but in a in a sort of a, a document talking about Achilles, he slew an Amazon and um, had necrophilic behaviors with the corpse. Um, Charlemagne was reputed to have had this with his wife. He was so torn up when she died. Uh, Marquis de Sade wrote all about Salvador it. Salvador Dali as well was accused of that, wasn't he? Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah. 
I think so. And and then mm-hmm. eating his wife or, or part of her or something. Oh, geez. No, that yeah, took, I, that took a dark turn. Tony and Saunders. <laughs> this, whole, this whole episode is <laughs> taking a dark turn. <laughs> and that Ted Bundy, a lot of serial killers engage in this behavior. And psychologically, you know, people, a lot of people have linked this with uh, desire to completely control your victim. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there are subtypes of necrophiles. So um, there are what we call role players. Uh, a, a guy named Anil Agrawal wrote a whole book and he classified, I think, nine classifications of necrophiles. So you've got role players. So where one, <laughs> one or both of them will play dead, usually one. You've got romantic necrophiles, something like um, Charlemagne. Both of them. <laughs> right. Um, then you've got the ones we think about, like uh, like Ted Bundy, necromutilomaniacs, they're called. And that's where it's very sadistic. They're oftentimes cutting up the body. And then you've got opportunistic necrophiles. They're normal, engage in normal heterosexual or homosexual acts. But if they're if they run into a dead body, they will do something with it. But the rarest of them is the exclusive necrophile. That's someone who can't achieve arousal without um, a dead body. So that's uh, the rarest, but we still don't have great data on this. But there's the lore is that, of course, people that are in, you know, uh, mortuary professions, paramedics, things like this, but there's absolutely no data on on that they're more prone to this behavior than others. But we they know- have more opportunity though. Say again? They have more opportunity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are female- one of the most famous cases was a woman who drew a, she drove a hospital, uh, an ambulance, and she would take bodies that were recently deceased and she'd take them into the woods and she'd, you know, do her thing with them. And so she wrote a lot of uh, about it after she was caught. And so you can find some of her letters and some of her correspondence about that stuff online. Oh, but, I think I've seen some of that online a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, like 10, 10, 15 years ago or something. And I, from memory, I think her name was Karen. Well, I think you're right. Yeah. We know the case of, uh, is it Carl von Castle uh, and Elena? Do you know that story? In, oh, in, yeah. Uh-huh. She went to Key West. Yeah. So I went to Key West over the holiday and um, uh, I, I went to the the cemetery to just kind of look around just to be in this. I mean, you, we don't know where Elena's buried now. Right, they the, yeah, when the she family, right, right. She's in an unmarked grave, so but she's there somewhere. It's a lovely cemetery, um, but I've been wanting to cover that on the show. The whole story about uh, Carl Carl von Castle and uh, Elena is a, a story about uh, she was a young woman. Uh, she was actually already married, I believe, and uh, but she got tuberculosis and her husband ran off. And this immigrant guy who pretended to be a, a count. He's not a count. Uh, he pretended to have a treatment for tuberculosis. He didn't. Um, and he kept hanging out and sort of like luring the family and keeping them sort of strung along with promises and money as he could come by it. He's a weird character. He's a very strange guy. To say, I mean, it's, it, when she died, he had uh, he took her body back to his house and then prepared to did a terrible embalming job and yeah uh, he, in his mind he was going to bring her back to life right uh, allegedly that's what he yeah. said it, it's it's very strange it's deeply exploitative uh, it's dark uh some people romanticize i mean it, they, even now people on the island of key west some people think of him as like this amazing romantic and other yeah. people as a sick necrophile yeah um, but that was not the only delusion he had. So I think if we get to cover it on the show, it'll it'll be like a 
a really interesting thing because he he had all kinds of strange fantasies. Um, yeah, that'd and, be fascinating. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, the, the way it was presented, I saw it on um, um, might have been History's Mysteries. It was one of those kind of shows, or it might have been Haunted Key West. But anyway, it was uh, a documentary, and they had a whole segment on it. And they don't tell you so the very end. They're talking about him. Uh, how he was romantic, and he, you know, read her books, all this stuff. And at the very end, he mentioned, oh, yeah, and he also slept with her. Once right. Right. I'm like, whoa, hey, uh, you barely leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got someone who also uh, mentioned a haunting, haunting in Connecticut as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, and how necrophilia is treated in, in that story as well. We've had oh, Ray Garten on the show before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. There's, uh, well, I don't know if it's funny, but there's precedent for it in the Animal Kingdom. So penguins are terrible with this. Penguins will engage in necrophilia very readily and very cute frogs. So, well, I mean, the penguins, they already got dressed up, you know, formal occasion. And they think that some of, some of, if you look at the brains of necrophiles after they're dead, they tend to have some temporal lobe abnormalities. Oh, really? uh, but this, is, this is really weird, but it kind of makes sense. But uh, if it, a lot of necrophiles will have what we call anosmia, which means you can't smell, which uh, it just that helps. About that would help. Well, <laughs> it's a feature. Coronavirus, <laughs> too, though. That's one of the early signs of infection from what I hear is that yeah. you lose your sense yeah. of smell. But yeah, if you look at that, so people are, a lot of people speculated about that. But in general, if you look in the personal histories of necrophiles, they're fairly lonely, uh, riddled with feelings of inadequacy. And, and they oftentimes, like um, Andre Chikatilo, they, if you look back in their histories, they have some experiences of feeling really rejected and ridiculed by women. They might have sort of physical malfunctions when they're trying to perform their sexual duties. And they've had some traumatic experiences, and then they sort of uh, get a bit sadistic and desire to control and degrade their victim. And what's more degrading and controlling than killing them and doing these terrible things? So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On a very serious anxiety. Live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tonight, yeah, this is like tonight on a very <laughs> monster talk live. <laughs> I have not seen someone said there's a Werner Herzog depressed penguins clip. That sounds funny. So depressed penguins, yeah. Hmm. Penguins are weird, I agree with you, Facebook user. <laughs> yeah, I think we could spend the entire episode just reading people's comments because they're so bizarre. And talking about penguins because they're just amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we take some questions? So, anything else? We, yeah, we can take some questions if if any. Do any of our listeners, no, viewers, have questions for, for Brian? Well, with the advice though that there's there is a lag. So, yes, that is a sock on my microphone. Yes. <laughs> we, yeah, we discussed that last week too. Yeah, yeah. I think we need to have a note. We, well, I, again, I, disclaimer. I should put my Bigfoot, uh, my, my Yeti uh, socks on it. That would be better. So, but yeah, so we're going to take questions from the, the audience, yeah. from the, the listeners like and viewers. Flag, yeah. We're getting YouTube uh, links instead. <laughs> we'll check it out later. My natty bow. There you go. You, you Talk about you- the Warren Ripham. Have you had anything, any, have you ever researched the Warrens or, or had anything to, to do with them? I've them a lot, but yeah, I haven't done a lot of 
active writing about them, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly aware of them. I would love to go to the museum, but yeah. I, I, do, I, I do not think it comes anywhere close to their depictions in The Conjuring and other. No, people. no, it doesn't. It's, it's They're sort of yeah. portrayed as superheroes, Christian superheroes. <sighs> Yeah. The yeah. Movies, yeah. I mean, especially The Conjuring 2, it's basically a hagiography or hagiography of, yeah. of the words. Yeah. Like, they come across as complete saints. Breaking out uh, the thesaurus. Nice. You have a question, you have a question from Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> you have a favorite condition <laughs> expressed, a psychological condition that's expressed as a monster. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of work on sleep paralysis, so that's a great one for alien abductions, demons, vampires, werewolves to a lesser extent, and witches. So it's hard to beat that for capturing it all. Uh, the number one thing you see during sleep paralysis is actually shadow people. Hey, um, yeah. you know what? I forgot to tell you. Uh, I had I saw my first uh, shadow person as an adult. Really? Yeah, like... Uh, <laughs> just a few weeks ago so um, as a child i did i saw one when i was a kid and i didn't associate with sleep paralysis but i woke up and saw a shadow i thought it was my father at the foot of the bed i was trying to ask him for a glass of water uh-huh. and then when he didn't respond and i asked him he doesn't get water he doesn't get water but my i kept screaming i heard screaming and then uh my dad walked in turned the light on and then the shadow person disappeared so it was like oh that's creepy but i was like five you know uh-huh. and now uh, I'm 50, so um, and now I know about sleep paralysis, a lot of other stuff. Yeah. But um, I I woke up and I have uh, this is oversharing, but I, I basically have, I've got uh, I've got a mini closet in my bedroom right next to my bed, so I can like just get up in the dark and quietly get some clothes and get out of there, let my wife sleep. And um, I had fallen asleep, and about I'm guessing an hour into it, I suddenly woke up and I was looking straight at my clothes. And a little shadow person came out from between two suits and like just peeped out and then went back in. And and I was like, whoa, this is the first time as an adult I've had that happen. But I know exactly what I just saw. So, I mean, I knew it looked completely real, Uh but I also knew it couldn't be real. But I got up and I like when I could, I got up. It took me a few minutes to sort of like get out of the bed. Shake yeah. off the process. Uh, I turned on the light and I looked in between the suits just to make sure there was nobody there. And my wife said, What are you doing? Because she was still awake. And I said, I was making sure the little person I saw is not real. And of course they're not. So I went back to bed. But the next morning, exactly I, what you wanted to hear. I mean, it was funny though, because I wasn't scared at all. Like if it had been a six foot tall shadow person, maybe I'd have been terrified, but I could have taken this little guy. I could have. <laughs> <laughs> so you need him to return <laughs> i don't know why shadow people always having the jones hats on though that's one of the things i don't know oh, yeah. so that's a hat person though that's a hat guy that's yeah that's a shadow I, person he is, he is a shadow person but not all shadow people have hats no my little guy did not have a hat so yeah i did a study with a czech <laughs> graduate student named monica klikova and we we actually asked we we have data on everything that we saw. Shadow person was number one, then ghosts. But what was shocking was vampires and aliens were actually way down on the list. Really? Yeah. Okay. So that might be a cultural shift that, you know, vampires, witches, they're getting a bit passe, but extraterrestrial. Maybe, yeah. Technological. Well, we often see things like people. that. I think. Yeah, I deal, deal with that. In the paranormal, we see these kinds of cycles of interest yeah, exactly. in UFOs and then 
ghosts. But I think we've got time for probably one more question. And someone has asked, how about an interesting psychological condition that hasn't yet been represented, but you'd be interested in seeing in a movie? Ooh. So something really out there. Huh, that's a good one. Something that hasn't been in a movie, but... Relating Ghost Factory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the good. first thing I'm thinking about, it, it it would be exaggerating, but I think a movie where you had exploding head syndrome happen and it was terminal and actually killed you would be a pretty good movie. So tell us a bit about that because so uh, we've spoken about head syndrome is, as a parasomnia. So it's a sleep disorder that you get when you're going to sleep or waking up and you hear a massive uh, sound or feel a sense of explosion in your head. Oh, wow. So imagine if that was like maybe it was contagious or somebody could do that to you. And I mean, the graphics would be amazing. Control it. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I've had that once or twice and I don't know if it was. I mean, when that happens, is it something happening outside or is it what's is something taking place in the brain? Yeah, it's it's an we, we think our best guess is it's a neurological event, whereas you're going to sleep. The reticular formation of your brainstem shuts down your neurons, sort of like a computer shuts down. It goes through a series of steps. So it shuts down your motor neurons, shuts down your visual neurons. But what we think happens is when it's trying to shut down your auditory neurons, it makes them fire all at once. So you don't hear articulate speech. You don't hear symphonies. You just hear this massively loud explosion. Mm -hmm. And that looks really funny when I do that up close. Um, Yeah. Right. <laughs> but and, yeah, people are just saying WTF. Like, yeah. <laughs> some of our listeners haven't heard of this before. Yeah. Yeah. It's a recognized condition. Probably about uh, the study I did, about 13% of the population has had at least once. And that's wow, young yeah. kids. I think I've had it. If you have any sort twice. of sleep problem, um, mm-hmm. you're far more like four year old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Another horror movie I wanted to make was, um, and this is just uh, about peer review, but if you could actually find the identity, it's like you um, would see your, say you have a scientist and he's just tired of getting articles rejected. And so what they do is they, they hack into computers and they find out who the reviewers were for their articles and then they go and kill them. So I thought that'd be a pretty fun. That's a horror. great idea. Yeah. Right. You, you can. It's a little in joke for academics. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that sounds a little bit like the um, the Vincent Price uh, Theater of Blood, where he hunts down all the critics. Yeah, 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 wow. yeah. Good movie. We've had a few of our viewers too saying that they've had it before. So it's, yeah, it's um, scary. You you wake up truly thinking what the yeah, and that yes, I imagine you would. That would be terrifying. So another monster talker, uh, Chris French, who you know. Um, oh yes, he, uh, myself. Uh, Alice Gregory, Dan Denis, and Rodan Parak all did a study with the BBC. We got 12,000 people, and we were able to get 3,800 people with exploding head syndrome, and we asked them what caused it. And uh, somewhere between 2 and 5% believed it was something either paranormal or that it was an electronic side effect, like the government was hacking into your cell phone or using directed energy weapons. Wow. So anytime you have a weird disorder or weird phenomenon, you have to sort of make sense of it in the categories that you have. So if you're prone to conspiracy theories, you work in conspiracy theories. If you're prone to witches or demons, you work those in. So, yeah. To me, I thought it was a a dream or or maybe uh, that I I truly had heard something outside because we live in a busy area. Yeah, I've never actually. I study it, but I don't, I've never had it. It'd be fun. I know you've had sleep paralysis and, 
only once um, years after. I'd written about it, and then you experienced it after you'd written about it. There's so many things. If if it's not within your personal experience, you don't really like. You don't know about it, or if you hear about it, you're like, "That's made up." I, I, restless leg syndrome is a great one. I, I they had commercials on. Have you got restless leg that syndrome? So common. That's a really that is, that's got to be made up. I said that's got to be made up. Till my wife got it, and I'm like, oh my god. I've never, yeah. During no, pregnancy, it's yeah, I had it the last yeah. few weeks. It's really terrible. It is. You put a bar of soap at the end of your bed, and that that stops it. But what if the bar is magnesium? You know, <laughs> I think I've learned a lot about. You know, if you throw a handful of millet outside your door, vampires won't attack you either. That's right. We all know vampires are OCD, and that's a very <laughs> useful thing to know. So, before we go, I just uh, do you think there's any relationship between the phallic nature of the stake going through the vampire and this whole topic of necrophilia? Is that the last sexual encounter of the vampire when you pierced it that way, and thus the the the, the Petty Mort becomes the Grand Mort. Is that that? That's a really deep question. I don't think <laughs> to it in two minutes. But but if you are going to stake a vampire, you have to use the right kind of wood. You need to use aspen because that's what Christ was crucified on. Oh, got lots go. of it here. Popcorn, aspen, they're your two best. What about you? You? I don't think that's one of the ones in the lore. Oh, that's too bad. You. 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 you? you. <laughs> <laughs> all right this was amazing uh, thank you so I, much I thought, Tiger King, you people brian was about to say something else brian was about to close with something i was going uh, about more weird disorders and sleep that yeah are, if you want to raise something else and then we'll close off well there's okay. behavioral disorder so it's kind of like the reverse of sleep paralysis where you are not paralyzed but you're not awake either so you're acting out your dreams and they're usually attacking dreams. And there is, was at least one case I know of where someone actually murdered another person while they were sleeping, their wife. And then you've got sexomnia. This is a wild one. This is one people don't really believe that it's really a disorder, but it is. And it's causing legal havoc because like lawyers and judges don't know what to do with this because this, there is a condition where you have sex while you're sleeping and you have no memory of it. It's going on, we think, during non on ambient. <laughs> no, that's a little different. Um, <laughs> but several cases, and they seem to be concentrated in, in U.S., Canada, Germany, and I think New Zealand. Um, and it, it just causes so many problems because it's like, how do you figure out, okay, did they actually commit a sexual assault if they don't know they did it? And what's strange is people do, will do things in sexomnia if they wouldn't do during their normal conscious waking sexual life. So there are cases of, of people actually, um, if they're normally heterosexual, they might engage in homosexual sex while they're in a sexomni episode. And there are horrible, terrifying cases of people that have actually, you know, ha- raped family members while they were in this episode. Yeah, that's where, oh. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Oh. It's really crazy stuff. I've consulted on a couple of cases of that. It's, it's, yeah, it's incredible. Someone said that's called being drunk. So, oh. well, it's pretty different. I, I mean, well, they, you know, when you're drunk, if you're not, to me, it always feels like if you've drank so much, it, well, based on my behavior with other people, <laughs> it seems like that that people who've drank too much stop recording the memories. Like they, they're still cogent. Oh yeah, they're walking blackouts where you. Right, but they, they're not saving it. Nothing's being saved, right? You're like a goldfish. You can only yeah. know 
out in like 20 seconds and then it's gone. Right, exactly. And so so that's that's a little different, I think, than than being completely disassociated or whatever. So yeah. But then it, it's still this is an extremely messed up way to end the episode. But here we are. <laughs> I can come back. Hey, that's, that's monster talk. Well, we're going to have to have you back because you need to come on the show to talk about Elizabeth Bathory uh-huh. uh, and just a whole ton of things. So we're happy to have you on the show anytime. We really enjoy having you on and, can I plug and talking book? about weird stuff. Yeah, please. Please do. <laughs> okay, I have three books. They're all available through Oxford University Press. So this is my first one, Sleep Paralysis. So if you want to get into the weird nitty-gritty of sleep paralysis, that's the way to go. Then I have an edited book on unusual and rare psychological disorders. So we cover um, lots of stuff, including um, Alice in Wonderland syndrome, Capgra syndrome, all sorts of weird stuff, exploding head syndrome. And my most recent book, which skeptics don't like dynamic therapy. They think that Freud really, that psychodynamic therapy stopped in 1915, but there's a lot of good data. This is a good approach. So psychodynamic therapy techniques is my most recent book for the psychology nerds that are watching like cool congratulations uh, my student ruchi who's watching right now so well we will uh i'm i just figured out how to download these so i can upload them on youtube and um I, i'll be able to uh put some show notes in there and put links to your books cool. for you i have a 30 percent discount yeah. i can send you too oh i love discounts Ooh, so yeah. do our listeners so mm-hmm. yeah indeed yeah. yeah we've got uh Listeners in uh, Australia, it's a bit too late for, for some people there and in Europe as well. And um, yeah, so yeah, hopefully we're going to be able to get this to YouTube so that people can, we can archive it. Yeah. So we can. Absolutely. Yeah, we can download it. So, okay. all right. Well, let's, let's say goodbye, but you stick around for just a minute and we, because there's like a little delay here. So you ready? Sure. Here we go. Cool. I'm stopping the stream. Maybe. Monster. Monster dog. You've been listening to a podcast version of Monster Talk Live, a special feature that we recorded during 2020. Links to the video version of these episodes are in the show notes. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we'll work to continue to provide good content there, including more streaming events in the future. Monster Talk is a listener-supported program, and your subscription at patreon.com forward slash monster talk sustains us during these difficult times. Thank you for your support and for your positive reviews. I'm Blake Smith. And along with my co-host, Karen Stolzno, we ask you to join us in being the voice of reason and science in a world that's perilous with nonsense, superstition, and dangerous misinformation. Shine your lights, everyone. Even a flickering candle can be seen for miles in the darkness. And together, we are stronger. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>